Welcome to another episode of Exploring Innovation. Today, we're going to talk about something very important, but also very difficult. Leadership. My name is Tobias Eklund, and before joining Hello Future, the company behind this podcast, I have worked and been frustrated in large international organizations. And we'll try to keep that perspective and therefore try to take your perspective while interviewing our guests. And today I have a guest I've really looked forward to talking to. Welcome, Karin Tenelius. Thank you. Thank you. The reason I've been looking forward to this so much is, is well, I mean, the leadership perspective is, is so interesting, but also that I've 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 um, I've read some and and uh, found the difficulty uh, in building organizations that like really thrive in constant change. It's it's so um, it's it's really a challenging task, and I know that you have been working a lot with with this uh, w- with this topic. Just basically give us a background of who you are and. Uh, why I'm talking to you on this matter. Uh, Yes, so I'm someone who has been uh, working with groups and leaders uh, for almost more than 30 years, actually. And uh, I started experimenting with teams without managers 20 years ago. And I was influenced by other people like Ricardo Semler from Brazil, who wrote a book called Maverick. And he describes how he gave the authority way to his employees with astonishing results. And uh, out of that uh, book, I dared to try out the first time uh, his uh, groundbreaking ideas of giving away the authority in a group of people. And I also had astonishing results uh, that also showed in the figures. So 20 years ago, I... uh, was having interim CEO assignments in really uh, troublesome companies with uh, a lot of loss and learned how to relate and how to coach a team without being operational to have the team solve their problems and take much more responsibility than usual with extremely good results. And since then, I've continued and uh, learned. And nowadays, I have a a training company where we train managers in relating and leading in this way. And it's both very radical organizations. We have as clients uh, that really want to go far in the team-based way of working and very traditional companies with hierarchies. Yeah, so so that's me basically. So we have a company called Tough Leadership Training where we help companies to work in new ways. So out of the innovation perspective, how can we connect these these, uh, two worlds? Because as you say, you've been elaborating with, with, you call it self-management or giving authority away. What, what could you say that the effect of working in that way in, 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 in contrary to organi- traditional organizations? What, what, are, what, are the, what are the effects? Yes, so two things really connected to innovation is one, innovation 
needs to tap out the wisdom of people, right? Yeah. Uh, get everyone's brains and thoughts and competence out. And traditional management is lousy at that, one can say, because traditional management is that the, the manager will have the wisdom and the skills and the competence and they think ahead, which is a pitfall, instead of putting the dilemma and the problems and the challenges on the table and think together. So that's one aspect. The other aspect that I learned is that to have collaboration work and innovation is a form of collaboration. Mm -hmm. So the, what's, ne what's need to be in place there is a working climate. And this word that I'm using now might not be familiar to you. Working climate is uh, the climate in a group, uh, the atmosphere, the dynamics, the level of openness, of trust, of the level of communication, like tension between people and so on. And working climate is something that you can develop to become trustful, open and safe. And that's needed for innovation to work because just to take a very simple example, that you have to make mistake and look foolish and not have the answers. That's part of innovation. And if you have a working climate that is like fearful or scary or strict or formal, then that's an obstacle for innovation. So those two aspects, really. There, there are so many questions. How can you, for the first thing, know what kind of climate you are working within? Is there, is there I mean, if, I, if I'm working in a traditional organization, um, a middle manager and... and um, yeah. Where do I start? Yeah. So one thing is to realize how much the working climate impacts the business results. And you can find so much research on that if you need proof. But usually we don't think that the working climate is business critical or impacts our output. So therefore we neglect it and we won't be aware of it. We just work and talk about our surface issues, our business, which of course is relevant because we have assignments and we have, we work, you know. But when we work, there's this, also this working climate happening under the surface with people, with attitudes, with the uh, tone of voice and and a lot of, of things going on between people. And, and the more people, the more complex that is, of course. So one is that it's interesting for you to start to observe and be aware and hear what climate you have. Yeah. And, and in, in groups, in teams that are new to each other, there's always like a, a climate of... Uh, uh, cautiousness, who is, you know, who is this, what's happening here, who am I, who do I fit in, and so on. And that sort of new climate, it's not productive. So you have to impact the climate to become safer. And that you do by talking about working climate with your team. 
and ask them how they experience the working climate, the collaboration, the, the communication of, of the, the level of communication. So straightforward communication, till, for example, is really important. And, and you can ask what level of openness and straightforwardness do we have in this group as a way to, to move it to more openness. Also sharing, you know, uh, as a human being. We are human beings, but we, we forget about that when we work because we think <laughs> we are professionals uh, and we're robots uh, and we're not, uh, we're not allowed to be weak or, or uh, insecure. Or if you can give people opportunities to share how it is for them, you create a safe space. This sounds so obvious. Uh, when you think about it, I mean, I mean, uh, just the thing that we are humans. Yeah. Uh, we, we, and and we all know that we we uh, do a better job if we if we feel appreciated or safe or so forth. Why are we stuck in this other way of working? If this is, I mean, it, it, yes. as you say, it's also research backed. Mm. Yes, because somehow along the way. We have this assumption that it doesn't matter, that work is sort of rational and that we should be rational, professional. So we'd sort of have forgotten or neglect the human factor of it. I mean, just the fact that two human beings working together are so different. So it will create tension and irritation. If you have moved in with a partner in your life, you know, yeah. you realize, oh my God, this person is not taking out the garbage <laughs> and, and so on. So we, we know that there's friction in families and, and, and in, in private partnerships. But at work, we don't take that in con into consideration. We think that we should be robots at work without feelings, without different preferences and so on. And I, I don't know why this has happened. I don't think it's so useful to speculate in why. There is probably some researchers that could tell us that if we look. But the, the good thing is that more and more this culture or working climate topic has been more relevant. A pitfall, though, is that we think that culture, if we talk about it, should be happy, joyful, everybody's happy. <laughs> And, and that's not at all productive and human. That could be really sort of uh, painful. And many, many organizations, especially startups maybe, have that as an ideal where you can't be weak, you can't be sad or whatever. You should be just, yeah, go for it. We are the winners sort of culture. So I don't know why we ended up here. It's really interesting. Uh, I, and when you say that about the startup culture, I've, I've seen from, from a distance these big uh, corporations where they, they start up sort of a, like an innovation lab or something, and they put bean bags and ping pong tables and uh, soft drink, uh, you know, and, and free breakfast and all, all this to, to sort of build a... Yeah. A very colorful environment. Um, exactly. And they think that creates motivation. Whereas there are so many... It seems like they, they, they even think that it creates better ideas. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like innovation, cosmetical innovation surrounding, <laughs> sort of. But what you're saying is that that doesn't really matter. What matters is is the culture perspective. Yes, and and a, cul a productive culture is so much less glamorous. It's like hard work to sort out irritations and issues with your colleagues. It's to be straight, uh, be brave uh, and uh, resolve conflicts because also there's so much research about how to come to a trust-based psychological safe climate and that the access is through conflict because mm. conflict will arise when you're more than two people. Every week I hear people talking about conflict like something that you don't want to, that should be handled or that yeah, should... scary. Should, yeah, exactly. But it also, we shouldn't have it. We should not have conflict at work. It's, you should avoid it. And then what you do then, it's you, that you put the lid on and the conflicts are under <laughs> uh, and, and, and do a lot of damage. What I say that conflicts are profitable if you allow them to be there and use them to, uh, by resolving them and, and go through them. And on the other side is this psychological safety and trust. It doesn't sound very tempting to build. I mean, I, I sort of understand what you mean, but conflicts are, they're, they're scary and they're... they're um, yeah. Could you give us an example of an organization that you worked with to just to... to yes. Where, where you've, you, you've come in and had a look and, and you know, felt the culture and, and yes. what happened? I can take <laughs> one from this morning. to understand. I can take this, the one from this morning. So, <laughs> so we uh, have worked with an organization uh, to create a really productive team with a lot of authority and influence since half a year. Is this a specific team within yeah. a bigger organization? Yes, it's a specific okay. team within a, a bigger organization. From the beginning, we have recruited people together with our client uh, and uh, really selected people that are, would be good in collaboration, mature, insightful uh, uh, individuals. And we have prepared them to go through those phases of politeness and, you know, uh, the first phase that group mm. has. The honeymoon. The honeymoon. And then we have prepared them that they will hit the control phase, which is this conflict painful. So the funny thing is that people that are completely aware of the value of facing and uh, working through their conflicts, when the conflict hit, it's so scary and uh, horrible and unthinkable. So even that you have a preparation for it to come, when it comes, it's like, oh my God, this is so wrong, you know. And that <laughs> happened this morning. Uh, <laughs> okay. And it's like a drama and HR is like worried and uh, we should, you know, take in some uh, squads here to rescue. And I say, this is just what we have been talking about, what was expected, you know. So now mm. we have to, to just support this team to go, to deal with this, to, to yeah, to access the, the other side. 
So it's like you, your own relationship to conflicts and drama needs to be changed first as a manager. You need to face them, to go through them. And, and then after a while, it's not so scary. It's always uncomfortable, mm. but you can sort of handle it like a storm. So, so is this for everyone? I mean, people are different. Uh, some people must find this really scary while other people like myself we 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 love change and and you know i i thrive for change uh, but i know from working with people that, that they hate change yes so, so how is this on an individual perspective in a group what we what i work with and my colleagues work with is to like support people in developing the skills needed uh, for communicating on a higher level, because that's also what happens in this process. So people also say that they have side effects, like being better with their teenagers or, they, or their relatives and stuff. So when you, you, you support people of different preferences, when you say that question, it's also like, this sounds so uh, advanced and complex and, and, and and scary and so on. But take into consideration that if we don't do it, so we pay with profitability, <laughs> with sick leaves. I mean, how many people are on sick leaves because of not dealing with conflicts? So yeah. many. So we pay here and now, today, so much money and also other currencies. My thought is everything's perfect today, but of course it's not. No, uh, it's not. <laughs> not at all. Have you heard about the big, uh, the, the big migration, what, what's it called, the, the, uh, in, in the States? 12 million people, uh, Americans, have resigned from their work without having another work because they can't stand workplaces anymore. Some researchers have stated that that is because of toxic work and working environment. And bad leadership. And I, I remember seeing these figures. I don't have the, the, the source of it, but that like out of the complete workforce in the Western world, only 13% of employees are actively engaged. Yes. Uh, like actively liking their job and doing their best. Yes. And I think it was... Gallup. More than that, like 25% are actively unengaged yes. like they're 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 contraproductive they're, yes. they're actually hating their jobs so much that they try to damage the workplace exactly and that's one out of four yes and we that, live that's... with this we, we live with this year in and year out it doesn't it's it's not improving and that is because the ignorance and the lack of knowledge of what we're now talking about. HR knows about this generally, but they don't have any mandate or enough mandate. So in the top in organizations, this what we're talking about is not common knowledge and not they don't relate that figure of 13% to their business result. If they did, mm. we should put so much effort in shifting this. 
and and the, the the question that comes back to to me all the time is why aren't why why aren't more organizations looking at it? But maybe a lot of organizations are. Maybe it's my my world view that's that's skewed. No, they don't. They don't at all. I mean, they do it in cosmetical ways. They do uh, they do value based workshopping for millions and and billions. <laughs> They talk about the value words that they should have, like respect and uh, whatever, you know, those value words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there are some also researchers that think that's bullshit and it's just a waste of money because it never converts to real change. Yeah. I can say something more about it. It's the managers. Manage the the management, the leadership is so traditional and it has served us through the industrial era and since, but now it's completely outdated. So the traditional management is that the manager is driving and knowledgeable and knows everything. Mm-hmm. And managers are acting accordingly, with no bad intentions. They just do it automatically. They know everything. They talk a lot. They send, they broadcast the solutions to their teams all the time. And everyone is completely blind to that, what that causes in terms of employees being, waiting for instructions, not taking initiatives, not using their full capacity. So mm. there is this unawareness uh, where the power lies. Where, where, so there is some awareness in some people like HR, but it's not enough to create change because the people in power, that's also threatening them in a way. Yeah. So it's so many factors that sort of and change slowly happens, but very, very slowly. Do you see a generational difference here between young and old, and yeah, or gender difference, or, or no, not gen- differences differences not. between countries? Uh, start, start off with a generational thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Gen- yeah, yeah, especially here in Scandinavia, where the schools left the obedience paradigm long ago. So you don't obey, you know, in school. So the new generations will expect something else than traditional hierarchical leadership. They won't stay if it's, you know, too, too hierarchical. Although some young people, like in the 30s, also tap into this traditional automatic leadership and become really sort of bossy also. So it's not okay. like black and white there. Gender, no difference at all, I would say. Uh, we're mm. all in this paradigm this, uh, that we're blind to, men and women. All of us are there. Country-wise, yes, Sweden has this big pitfall because we think we are done. We have the most democratic <laughs> leadership in the world, so therefore we're done. As we're done with everything, we're best in the world, so, and therefore we won't... Ha- have to, we don't have to change. So that's uh, not good either. But you say that's a pitfall uh, due to the fact then that we don't really. Yeah, but see if, that. if you're done, you don't need to change. So you, yeah. don't, you, you don't admit the hierarchy 
Mm. Although you suffer from them. So you talk about silos and, and bureaucracy everywhere. But on the same time, you think you have a very modern leadership. And that also because we have been talking about coaching, leadership, involving leadership for 30 years. And people have been to courses in that, but they didn't do it in practice. They know everything mm. in theory, but they didn't shift. So managers really need to shift their way of being. And the, the, their strength, which is knowledge and drive, is completely in the way for that. Because they need to be facilitating things, being in the background, put, asking questions. Managers can't ask questions because they're supposed to broadcast and have the solutions. Sup supposed, to, supposed to know yeah. already. Yeah. So it's such a big gap for them and they don't know it. Let's say I'm a, I'm a middle manager in a, in a large company. I have a small team yes. uh, of five people working yes. under me, yeah. <laughs> not working for me. Or well, they're working for me. I'm not working for them. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that this is... I, I understand in theory what you're saying, Karin. Yeah. Uh, I, I understand that there is power to be found in my group uh, that I haven't really tapped into, what, what do I do? You start to ask questions on the meetings. You don't come with an agenda and, and talk. And, and but that, you have to have an agenda for a meeting. Yes. You mean, you mean that I don't have an agenda? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I you can say yeah. like this. So, hi guys, you know where we're heading because we did the plan, right? Uh, mm. and, and, and we're all aware of where we're going. So what do you think is the most crucial thing that we should be discussing today? What is the most uh, urgent topic? How do you want to solve what we're in? What decision do you think is the best one here? Can I have your thoughts on this one? That's not, that's, what, that's... That's not what managers <laughs> do. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I, I look back at my old old wrongdoings. Yeah, and it's not your fault. It's the paradigm we're in that is so mm. strong because we think and, and employees and your team uh, members expect you to do that, to act that. Mm. What happens if I, if I would start asking those questions? People look uh, really more. puzzled at first. <laughs> yeah, the first time, yeah. <laughs> what is <he> doing? <laughs> and then you have to stand yeah. that and say, okay, I see you look confused, but I just realize that I don't take your wisdom into account. We don't use your capacity. So I'm going to ask question now and have you, and I want us to think together mm. instead of me thinking ahead and tell you the solutions. That's interesting. What else, what else if, you, if, you look at, um, if you look at a team that's really functioning uh, well in this, in, in this perspective, what characteristics would you say that, that that are easy to find, that are, that are universal for all, all those teams that really work this way. Yeah, so really trusting each other and knowing that people are for you and uh, that you also feel safe in if, if you do something that doesn't work, you, somebody will say that to you, so you don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about what other people think of you. Mm. So really, uh, safe people, sort of, people listening to each other and are curious and them also ask 
questions to each other. Oh, that's, that's really weird that you say that. I don't get that perspective. What risks do you see here? Because mm. I don't really understand what your argument here is, sort of. So a really productive team is also deciding things together and know that they won't always be agreeing in the beginning, but they are like, uh, comfortable in having different opinions and welcome that and, be, 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 and, and, and trust that they will come to some sort of common view. Yeah, so f full transparency. Full transparency, definitely. And there, there you have the whole career perspective. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how, how does that work? If I want to be a manager, so, so I want to do a better job than my colleagues. I mean, that, that, that is one of the drivers of, of yeah. at least the paradigm that we've been in. I think, how, how does that work? Yeah, I think that's also one of our pitfalls. As, I mean, we, managers are supposed to be heroes. And what we would need is managers to, that really care about people and development and in their people. So much more human being, you know, uh, focused people uh, as managers would be. So, so that's a big problem that, that managers have other drives uh, for their mm. own career, climbing, looking good. Uh, politics. Yeah, and, and also I, I, I was thinking about the team. I mean, if I if yeah. I am a chief product manager yeah. and I have different man product managers underneath me, yes, uh, and they all want my job. When I when I move on, if I quit or I move up the ladder, they, they all want my job. And of course, that must be a big uh, thing in, to take into consideration. Yeah that maybe they w don't want to be transparent to each other no. because they are fighting for the same goal. Yeah, so if you're really committed to create something that works, then you have to be brave and address this. So in our, co in our organization, we have, this, uh, we have this culture of wanting each other's jobs and not being transparent and, and play a game sort of behind mm. the scenes. I don't believe in that anymore. I want something else. I want trust, transparency, collaboration, that we are for each other, not competing, positioning. And because why I want this is because that's the, the source of success and profitability. What do you say to that? So that's how you start a change process. That's a big mind shift, I think, for, for a lot of people. Yes, and it takes so much courage. And, during my 30-year career, I haven't met so many of that, of that kind. <laughs> so, so that could be one of the problems where we're stuck, stuck in this old paradigm. Yes. People are not, not brave enough no. to, to address this. And it's not, their, it's not their need, it's not their goal. They, want, they are more into themselves and, yeah. and what's good for them. Personally, what? Uh, oh, so so many thoughts. You you said once uh, an interesting an interesting thing about um, team collaboration and and the, the, the team collaboration tools. 
regarding, I mean, Slack, for example, mm -hmm. uh, which, we, which we use at Hello Future and it works mm -hmm. fantastic. I, I couldn't work without it. But then in other organizations, those, those types of tools don't seem to take off. No. Why is that? Because the mental ownership in people aren't developed. Because if people have the mental ownership, which I mean, defines as seeing themselves as responsible for the whole for the whole task together with the team. If you really are responsible for the wholeness of your team's assignment or, or even the whole business actually, that you mm. see yourself as an owner of what you're doing, not an employee. If you have that developed in an organization, to take responsibility will require a lot of information. And, mm. and Slack is an information provider. And, but if without that demand, it won't happen. And, and the demand comes from accountability, responsibility and engagement. And as we know, then the engagement is, is 13%. So, yeah, so it's logical. <laughs> that it's not no demand for information. So if there's no demand for information because you don't basically want to be, you don't need the information because you don't feel responsible, yeah. then you won't, then tools like Slack or... Yeah. or Being employed the, includes just waiting for, to be told or instructed. What, what to do. Yeah, you can just <laughs> wait until it happens. If those kind of collaboration tools work in your organizations, you're you're, you're well off to have a, a exploring and innovative culture. Yes. I, ha uh, I have another uh, a test of that. Uh, so I told you in the beginning um, that uh, I experimented to take traditional small companies and transform them to self-organized companies where mental uh, ownership um, were developed. Mm. Uh, and my uh, test for that was when we started on the coffee break, people talked about television and weather and grandchildren and parties and, and so on, with nothing mm. wrong with that. Yeah. But when we had done the shift, people talked about work because they were so engaged, so they couldn't stop themselves to talk about the work on the coffee break. That's interesting, and, and, and I, I get divided because, I mean, I, of, of course, uh, I'd rather work in a company where every, everyone's really engaged, but on the other hand, uh, the personal perspective and, and having a mental break, but that, that's, that's a good test. Yes. If you're, if, you're, if you're working in a team and you, you, you spend your time, your free time, so to speak, after every lunch and so forth, to talk a lot about the, the business issues. You are in a team of engaged and Yeah, uh, it doesn't exclude talking about grandchildren. We yeah. have a Slack channel for children, grandchildren and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> dog, dog and children related content. Yes. <laughs> That's a great idea. We should have one. We have a random channel where we post all the yeah. weird, weird stuff on the internet. Yeah, um, that's 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 great. Okay, so so we've gotten an insight into all you listeners understand the importance of, of having this kind of culture. Um, 
and some tips of how how if you if you are in this type of organization how you can change your mindset with some easy tips if i'm interested in in knowing more about this uh, you have a podcast leader morphosis that's right and uh, it's interviews with people who work a lot like i described that really are radical and uh, some of them have no managers, some have managers, but, uh, but they really work in, in new ways. And uh, it's a great inspiration and a lot of practical tips there also. So you can, you can listen to that, Le- Leader Morphosis. Yes. Um, are there any specific books that you would like really want to highlight or yeah. other podcasts or YouTube videos or TV shows or... Yeah, the book that's actually created a change in an amazing way is um, Reinventing Organization by Frederick Mm. Laloux. It sold millions and it really had made the difference for many people. So that's a good one to start with. Yeah, it's very good. It's it's a very good chronological, easy explanation of how organizations have evolved from, from the wolf pack through the, the Catholic Church and the military and then the industrial paradigm and then yeah. where we see some outliers today. Yeah, and what, what I have been talking to about today, you can also read in our book, my and Lisa Gill's book, uh, Mooseheads on the Table. Yeah, Moosehead on a Table, that's a very strange book title yeah. and organizational development. Exactly. Explain that, please. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so Moosehead is a tool that we invented here in Sweden like oh, 25 years ago or so. And that was before elephants in the room existed in Sweden, because uh, that okay. was an English uh, quote that we mm. knew about, but nobody know the, knew about it here. So we, we, in our fashion, it became mooseheads on the table. And it is uh, a tool for groups uh, when it's like... Uh, really uh, silent and scary and not safe and tense, then there you can assume that there are moose heads there. Things that you are too sensi- sensible to talk about, too infected, so you don't talk about them. And the, 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 the job is to talk about the moose heads. I don't trust you as a manager because this and this, or those people have been fighting now on all management team meetings for two years and nobody does something about their conflict and so on, you know. And to resolve those issues uh, by bring, and, and by naming, I have a mooset, you know, to talk about. So it's a code word to use to, to create a safer working climate. We need to talk about the moose head. Yes. And the, uh, the picture is basically a cut off moose head lying on the conference table. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard not to, <laughs> not to see and acknowledge. Exactly. <laughs> so I think it's a better expression than elephant in the room. Is there anything, uh, is there any, any, I mean, this is a really a basic introduction to the whole mindset uh, of, of creating functional teams that you have to begin with creating a culture that where people can depend on each other and are transparent with information and so forth is there any any perspective that we that you think we should um, 
bring up that we've missed today? No, we talked about it, but I also want to stress it, that if you are a manager, then it's really fruitful to sort of reflect on your leadership because it's very automatic and it's not your fault, mm. it's the paradigm. So if you want results, you really should look. And you can ask your colleg uh, colleagues or your teams for feedback on how your listening skills are because the core of the new leadership required is listening skills. And listen, listen and not broad broadcast. Exactly. And to be better in listening, you have to know where you start. And if people around you say, and ask them to be really honest, of course. Mm. And then you get some good feedback and out of that feedback, you can evolve from there. That's, that's, I, think, I think that advice is applicable in more than your work environment. <laughs> Definitely, you can ask your kids, then you will get really good feedback. Oh no, oh Jesus, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to do that tonight, maybe, if I dare. Yeah. I'll have a beer first. It's profitable, <laughs> it's profitable. Yeah, it probably is, in the long run it's especially. Okay, Karin, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I, I would be delighted to have you back uh, later when, as this podcast moves on and maybe we can go into more depth on, on these uh, questions. But I, I hope for your listeners that this has been a, an, an interesting introduction in how to really try to lead your team in becoming more, uh, uh, creating an environment which suits better for innovation because you you need their input you need their brain power um, to to make this happen if you thought this was interesting uh, please subscribe please share us uh, if uh, you have any colleagues that you think um, should listen to the, as, this as well and if you have any ideas for guests or ideas for for content for this podcast um, mail me at podcast at hellofuture.com and uh, we will put up some links for the, 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 pod, the Leadermorphosis podcast and, and uh, the books that we've been talking about on, on hellofuture.com. So thanks so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you soon. Take care and have a great day wherever you are. Thank you, Karin. Thank you. Bye. Bye.